Welcome, everyone, to Dolls of Our Lives. This is the podcast where we're reliving the American Girl series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm Allison. And today we're joined by a true all-star guest, a celebrity. We greeted her and said celeb sighting. I don't know if that's appropriate on Zoom, but, you know, hopefully we didn't make you uncomfortable. But, you know, Sydney Paulson, you're here with us. Hello. Hello, everyone. I am more thrilled than I could possibly be to be here. I've been listening to your show since it first came out. So it's it's wonderful. Wow. That's so sweet of you. Like, thank you for going on the journey with us. Oh, it's it's been very fun. Um, when I first discovered that you guys were historians, like having you deep dive into the historical character books just filled me with so much joy because you had so much knowledge about like the life and the history of these characters more than I ever did reading them as a kid. And so it was very fun to kind of revisit the books and continue to get a new perspective since I had worn out all of my copies and I <laughs> kind of continuously was thinking about these characters in a similar way um, up through my through my teens. So this has been really fun. Wow. And, you know, it's like we just want to throw that compliment right back at you because you have a completely different skill set that has helped us see the books and the characters in a really different way. Like your art, your photography is so beautiful. And, you know, we talk about you in our book and the work that you do. And, you know, the show is a place where we've gotten really into the historical backgrounds of the characters. And the book is really a place where we're exploring like what this has all meant for generations of people who love it. And, you know, it's really great to have met you through this in your work as one of the fellow people who love this. I'm, I appreciate that so much. And I'm, I'm deeply flattered um, when I received the advanced copy to just kind of read through my section. I was surprised when I came upon it. <laughs> and I was I, like, I, I felt whenever I received compliments and like this was the deepest compliment in the world to read what you wrote about me and like my my photography. Um, I get so bashful and a bit embarrassed, but like with a secret little smile on my face, I feel like I'm, I'm doing something um, that I shouldn't like. It's late at night and I have my flashlight with my book under the bed and I'm just reading through these pages and I'm rereading them. But I'm, I am I appreciate that so much. And I, I found your entire book to be deeply wonderful and critical and also respectful of American Girl and all of the people that has made the brand what it is. Um, and I'm just, I'm so excited for it to be out and for everyone to read it. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. And we're so excited to hear on this episode about your own journey with American Girl, both as a fan and also as someone who, and this is like bold and different than our journey, like you work directly with them. Wow. I do. I'm, it's, it's, that was also a big surprise. I think a lot of people, because I've been taking pictures of American girls for so long and it's been my one thread that's kind of been with me from adult or from childhood throughout my adulthood. Everyone has always said, oh, well, it's, it's not surprising that you're working with American girl because I mean, if I had a friend who was really interested in Lego and always loved Lego and then they just wound up working at the company that, that wouldn't surprise me either. But it does feel surprising that I'm working mm. with them because it's such a, an utter dream. And also I'm working with them as a photographer and I never went to school for photography. Like I'm entirely self-taught. There were just so many different things that made me think working with them could never be a possibility. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm thrilled. It's, it's really exciting. And I love, I love all the challenges that they throw at me. <laughs> Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear all about that. Before we were saying we use the word journey to describe what we're <laughs> going to be asking you about. And, you know, that is a really key word in another franchise, The Bachelor. We were talking just off air about The Golden Bachelor. And I know that, you know, that's one of the pop culture things that we've been enjoying. You have not seen it yet. Is that I right? I have not seen it yet. I just heard about it on um, a podcast I listen to a lot, um, The Armchair Expert. And they were talking about how lovely it is and so refreshing to have um, something a bit more wholesome, but also like it feels more genuinely based in love and and loveliness than just the regular The Bachelor. But I'd love your take on it because this is something I definitely want to dive into and 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 watch. Well, I think it's interesting to put it in conversation with another franchise, Allison, I've been watching, which is like the latest season of Love is Blind. Like, Allison, sure. like your thoughts on Love is Blind this past season? I want to stop looking. That's my, like, <laughs> love may not be blind, but I want blinders. I get so sad when a show has lost its way 
right? That it's kind of folded in on itself, which I think I've said about other shows before. There's something about an interesting premise, right? Can people fall in love between pods, right? In our world that I think is fascinating to watch and to see play out. I know that through the past few seasons, there have been so many behind the scenes legal issues that they have cut entire people's plot lines and cut out entire characters. I'm putting that in air quotes. And so it completely changes your perception of what you're watching. You flip between that and uh, Gary, who is the golden bachelor, who does an entire monologue about a woman putting her hand on his shoulder when he's scared to drive. And it's like, these are not the same. <laughs> it's so heartwarming. And you were saying before off air that you read Bachelor Nation, which is like a really yeah. great book about the franchise. So if you've never even seen an episode of the show, but you're curious about sort of how they create reality show competitions behind the scenes, it's a really interesting behind the scenes um, smart book. And one of the things that she identifies is that there's a psychological evaluation that happens of contestants before they make it on to The Bachelor, um, which clearly is not happening in Love is Blind. Like, I think something that I'm realizing watching a lot of these shows is like, there seems to be an unexplored element of reality TV, which is like the psychological cost of both going through very vulnerable things on camera. And we're like, you know, decades into reality TV at this point. But I think that seems to be very undeveloped, like how to make people comfortable and make sure that people can maintain some sense of mental health through it. And with the current golden batch, like I just feel like this man, even though he's grieving, like episode one, you see him gazing lovingly at a picture of his dead wife. Oh, it's just so sad. Oh my God. I cried multiple times in that episode because I was like, he is so sincere like he's so earnest and that feels so foreign in a lot of particularly dating shows right does it feel like the producers are i mean obviously the producers are producing and they're they're still writing their their stories and, and manipulating everything but are they a lot more caring about these contestants and like who what kinds of questions they're asking and and how they're kind of leading everybody um in in the golden bachelor or does it feel still like prior um, iterations of of like The Bachelor and that sort of a thing where you can really feel the producers are trying to cause fights and, and do that sort of thing? Four of the women are like a gang. Have you seen that? They're like, oh, we have an acronym. We love hanging out. Are you serious? No, but it's like beautiful. Oh, yeah, no, I love it. It's really sweet. Like, even when the women get sent home, sure. like, the camera shows them hugging each other, all the women, and they're like, oh. you better call me every day. <laughs> like, I love you. And it's like, oh, like, you see these real friendships forming between the women where it's like, you almost like Gary's an afterthought. Like, he's not. They're all there for him. But there's such sincerity and such presence. And there is one woman who kind of, like, went off and was trying to do some, like, making some drama. But she felt like such an aberration in that moment because the rest of it felt so sincere. And in part, it's because all the women coming onto the show have lived. Like, they're in their at least 60s, if not 70s. A lot of them are widows. And so, like, they're literally bonding on a first date about, like, what it's like to lose the love of your life and try to rebuild your life. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know how they're going to do this show again with 20-year-olds because no one will ever be able to, with a straight face, to be like, it's so hard. Like, I didn't, I wanted to be an influencer. and Like, I don't know, I just can't get it going. Or, like, I'm trying to get into real estate. It's like, their problems are so different, I guess, that it right. makes you really invested or you believe them. Yeah, I feel like the the juxtaposition is pretty ballsy for The Bachelor, just in general, to have this show out there. Because it, if, as, as you're saying, it's so wildly different than anything that they've done in the past. And I would assume it sounds a bit more like um, Great British Bake Off, where you just <laughs> have like this, which I have, I have just started. I, I've only seen one of the, I think Sydney, what episode are you on? I'm watching episode one season. because I was, okay, never I was, mind. I won't I, say anything, but aren't they? So it's a great year yes. so far. It's just it's the a, best. Like I was disappointed with last year. Last year was the first time. Me too. I, way through. It's just like, this does not feel, it does not feel like this show. Also, were you also traumatized slash victimized by the way that Paul Hollywood cut through a bagel? horizontally or whatever remember when he cuts through the bagel and he cuts it like this instead of like 
Like he holds the the bagel vertically, so you're thinking he's just gonna slice it in half <laughs> as a normal human being would. And then instead he goes, Err, like and you're like, have and nobody the thing that's crazy is when he does that, no one's like, Ah, Paul, no, that's it's not just, bagel like, Paul, culture. Paul knows it, so I mean we're not gonna question Paul. <sighs> Um, also, so in the first episode, the, the thing that traumatized me with that was having them cut through, I think it was Paul cut through just the head, the skull <gasps> of the dog. And it was like this yes. pet dog. How? Why? They had to make um, cakes that looked like something or I forgot the challenge. Somebody made yes. like their dog, yes. like you their dead dog a, as a cake. had to make an animal. And this person. And he was like, this is a photo of my dog who's passed. And, and like he produces the cake, Allison, and then Paul Hollywood just goes er, right through his face. Right through his face. And, and unpleasant and unnecessary, but. <laughs> I mean, I will say the new judge, Allison, I think is great in a breath of fresh air into the show. Oh, yeah, the, the host. Um, I think her name the host, is yeah. Allison as well. Allison, have you not watched the, the show? I don't think this is a fact people like I can't watch it. I just fall asleep and I don't I don't as a rule I don't watch people cook in any context. So I just don't I don't want guacamole it's made so at my pure, table. Though. I don't want to watch children competing to cook. I don't I will only watch kitchen it's nightmares. Okay. Wow. I understand okay. that's a, that's a vast contrast but I I respect it. Well that has a public yes sanitation component that i find really fascinating and as someone who's been serve safe certified like i think that like health and food intersecting is really compelling but just watching someone okay. make food not something i'm gonna watch any reason any place anytime that's okay it's not for everyone it's not everyone has a different journey everyone has a di- different path and it's totally okay and you know speaking of that and i hope you give me points for this smooth transition i would love to get into your journey uh, and well, your well path done. thank you all right well where would you like to start with my journey and my path i'm wondering if you would talk about you know something because i feel like people who follow you on instagram or who see your work in the american girl catalog maybe get a peek into like what you do really well professionally or as a fan but maybe if you could talk about some enduring accessories or things that you just have loved a long time from the American girl world, like specific things. I do love this question and I have a couple of answers. Um, number one is Molly's bike. Mm. That is one of the most beautiful and well-made pieces. And I unfortunately, well, fortunately, I got it off Craigslist for a very uh, cheap price, but unfortunately it came broken with a few missing pieces and even with like it's missing a pedal i think the the horn on it is disintegrated and it used to have a mirror on it that didn't work and i have still used that consistently over the last eight years in so many of my photo shoots i used it in stranger things i used it as my et bike i i've used it Hmm. for multiple uh decades in history and historical recreations and it is just a really beautiful solid well-made piece that is so classic and versatile i love that one um and then another which is quite large but equally as versatile for me um is julie's bug her car that she got Mm. the thing is very hefty and whenever i've needed a car um for any photo shoot it is it is bigger than all of the other cars ag has come out with the other ones kind of feel miniature like those little mini cars that you would drive around as kids um they feel quite small but julie's is hefty it's large and in photoshop i'll just tweak the color on it to kind of fit whatever vehicle i need for a recreation and it is beautiful and i have used it many many years and i I don't plan on giving it up i've i've taken that to several locations in like a wagon that i've pulled along a path to set it up in the ideal spot and it has always always successfully served uh its purpose can I ask a serious question? Is Julia yeah. a licensed driver? Because we're on book five and she's not operating motor vehicles yet. Right. Well, I mean, her sister is. So oh, maybe her sister, okay. like helps, um, has has taken her to like back of the the parking lot, you know, some someplace and, and has taught her at least the the basics of pulling in and potentially gotten gotten her to figure out parallel parking and maybe driving a straight line. Oh, um, I know that better, better than me, <laughs> but um you never know. I think I think Tracy's always around, kind of keeping an eye on Julie, making sure she's. Doing did you have to parallel park on your driving test? I did, and I think it's one of the last times I have ever parallel parked. 
<laughs> oh my god i didn't have to parallel park on my driver test and i was having like a meltdown that i was going to have to we had to do a k-turn and back into a space but that was it lucky you are you kidding me i i just have a, had a panic attack and i i did it perfectly and henceforth i have not i think maybe but once respect it yeah i respect it i mean also, Tracy does attend a bug stuffing party, which we don't get to see, but it is referenced. So is it a bug because Tracy presumably stuffed herself inside one? <laughs> that is an excellent question. Although I, if if Tracy's, Tracy's bug probably had some sort of roof on it, and I wish that Julie's at least had like the, the cloth roof that you could pull over because then we could test how many dolls could we stuff inside this bug. That's true. Oh my God. Imagine that photo. Oh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> all the that limbs be poking out wild. all the windows. Oh my God. Um, I'm wondering, like we kind of glossed over, but like, how did you get into American Girl? Like, what are your memories of it? Like, give us, give us your whole story. All right. So I received catalogs as a kid, um, pre six years old, and I would cut them up and make pretty cards out of them and give them to family members. But um, I now think about this with such sadness because all of those catalogs were beautiful from like the <laughs> 90s and the early 2000s and it hurts my soul. Um, but one day I decided to keep a catalog and I actually have it here because I was looking through it. Um, it is the 2004 um, holiday catalog with the girl wearing the winter magic outfit and she's hugging her, her doll. And inside of it, um, I feel like I really saw Kirsten for the first time um, in her her braids and her pie bangs that were very aggressively 80s. And I, as an early 2000s kid, also had these aggressive pie bangs. I had the blonde hair and I, too, dressed up like uh, Lori Ingalls almost every day of my life. And so seeing Kirsten there, I remember leading my grandma down into my our family basement and turning on the light and pulling out this catalog, which I had hidden. And I turned to the page with Kirsten <laughs> on it. And I said, this is the doll that I want for Christmas. My grandma legendarily had given all of my older um, girl cousins an American girl for Christmas at some point in their life. So I was the natural next, next in line. And um, when I saw Kirsten for that first time, opening up that maroon box and just taking a look at her, I was floored by the attention to detail and every part of her felt like she was a real a real girl her hair felt very playable or like I felt it felt like I could play with it and and brush it out her apron had this amazing texture to it her socks were felt like they were hand knitted like there were so many different details about her and up until this point I had really only played with baby dolls and, and Barbies so Kirsten was amazing. And then then I wrote her books. And I mm. I was not um scared of the fact that Marta died. And I know so <laughs> many people feel like they were traumatized wow. by Wow. As a six year old, I'm like, well yeah, because like that's that's how life was back then. Like people died on ships and sometimes that's just what happens. And so I was, I was Oh my like, God, you just had that, like you had that <laughs> distance, did. you had that maturity. I, apparently so. I mean, I, it was sad for Kirsten, but when I read stories about people saying I was so traumatized by Marta, I feel bad for Marta, but I think I feel a lot worse for Marta now and her parents <laughs> than I did as a, as a six-year-old. Uh, but I read mm. Kirsten's books with my mom and my brother and I wasn't much of a, a reader as a as a kid so I then went to my library and checked out all the cassettes for the the audiobooks oh, and I listened cool. to them and as I listened to them I just fell in love with every era of history I felt like I had read books like Little House I had I had read a few of those kinds of stories and my brother and I watched a lot of old musicals and and older films historical dramas as kids and so I had a sense for what life was like in different time periods but having like that linear timeline from kaya mm. to kit and or not not kit but i'm thinking about when the dolls came out so kaya to uh, molly really helped place all of these different events in history and it made me so interested in the lives of every person i met because every one of them had the potential to to be an american girl if 
their story was like listened to. And so I wanted to talk to my grandma. I wanted to talk to all of these old ladies at my church. I remember going into bookstores, like old, old used bookstores and trying to find the oldest book on the shelf. <laughs> and if I found one from the 1800s, it was the best thing ever because likely Samantha had had it, you know, it, those kinds of things um, just filled me up and gave me so much context for history and helped me be able to compare my life and make connections with all of these other girls. And that's one of the reasons why American girls switching from the six book format to whatever they're doing now kind of crushed me. And I hope, yeah, I hope that these books are selling and I hope that this newer format, like I, I'm not, I have no idea why they switched over and if they're doing marketing research with kids and if it's just more likely that the kids are going to buy them if they look different. But for me, it was like, the comparison, the 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 meet and learn the lesson and surprise and birthday saves the day changes that I could I could compare all of these different areas of history directly. And then I could compare them with my own birthday and my own time I saved the day. Like I literally had these moments of when I did something good, I would think, is that worthy of my own saves the day book? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still so yeah, I I just I internalize these stories so much. I reread them, read them over again. My mom would make me outfits that match these dolls. And they very much, very much felt like my friends. And I wanted to learn as much as I could about all all aspects of their lives and all aspects of history because of them. You mentioned that you listened to the books, which is super interesting. Did you have a lot of connection to the early illustrations or were you kind of doing a lot of imagining as you were reading along to the audiobooks? I love that question. Um, I I owned all of the books. Okay. I obsessively collected them. Mm-hmm. And so I would read along with them at times. Um, but I also at a very young age, let's say seven. So like in the time between Christmas, um, when I was six years old in 2004, and then seven, I turned seven in January. That year of me being seven, I became fascinated with everything that American Girl had ever retired up until that mm-hmm. point. And my mom and I would together go onto eBay and look for all of these lost items. And one of my favorite things that we found were um, the original trading cards. And those were mm-hmm. every illustration for all of the books from, um, I believe, the first three historicals, and then Addie, Samantha, and Josefina. Mm-hmm. And when I started collecting those, um, those were just the illustrations, and I would pour over them as I was listening to these stories, and I would like try to draw them myself. And it was like the illustrations were everything. They they completely they were just as part as the audio of the audio experience for me. Um, as as anything else like i i just drank them up and and loved every part of them Hmm. you know it's interesting hearing you talk about how you imagine the scenes and i love that you listened i think a lot of people feel like if you listen to a book it doesn't count as reading and that's always struck me as insane because obviously it is right like i mean you're reading the stories and i think it's fascinating that you're now a photographer because you know in the history of medicine sometimes people imagined um if you were like trying to explain how the brain worked or the mind like the imagination as a camera so it's like you had this like early imagination like were you imagining scenes like long before like through play like long before you you got into the work that you do now i was and i think a lot of that came down to the fact that American Girl was my main hobby, but then my other hobby um, was films and filmmaking with my brother. He's four years older than mm. I was, or am. And um, we were constantly watching movies, acting them out. We wanted to be in theater. We wanted to be in films and we were writing skits and like potential short story ideas and making things constantly. And so stories were very much like i i looked up to my best friend who at the time was um yeah my best friend at the time and she was eight years eight months older than i was and she was an incredible writer especially for someone who was seven or eight like she just would write pages and pages of these books and i would call her on the phone and because i didn't love to read she would do a couple things for me um as I was working on my own hand projects, because I love to knit and crochet and and sew, um, she would read to me her books that she would write. And she would also Aww. read me American Girl books. <laughs> and 
um, like wow. like that weren't from the library, um, such as like Nellie's Promise. I remember her reading that to me over the phone and she would read like a chapter a day and we're both eight or nine years old. And this was just such a happy, delightful part of my childhood. But I, I was constantly acting out stories with my dolls. I was making up stories in my head and I was attempting to write stories of my own and they were all so bad, <laughs> but I had so much fun doing it. Yeah. What are some scenes like when you look back either from books that were like read to you or that you were enjoying reading by listening, like what are some scenes that just stuck with you? And then when you had like the adult money and time and camera, you said, I have to recreate that, right? Oh, I love that question. Um, A couple of them would be, I think the number one would be Kirsten making her quilt with all of her friends and happy birthday, Kirsten. Mm. I adored that illustration and that whole book so much. And I always wanted to make that quilt um, for my dolls, but I was not skilled enough to do an accurate 1850s um, patchwork quilt with applique. I'm still not skilled enough, but this year I decided, you know what, I'm going to recreate this scene and I'm going to paint the quilt. Mm. And so I painted all of these individual squares and I sewed them together. I quilted it. And I went out to an open field and brought all of these dolls with me and set up that scene. And it's it's one of my favorite photos I've taken in quite some time. And I had so much fun setting everyone up and, and replicating that lighting in the set because it felt very much like fulfilling a, a childhood dream of mine. Wow. That's that's such a sweet image, even for us to imagine, like you creating the scene. I'm wondering if you can take us to the moment when you decided to start this project or the work that you do, like on your Instagram account. How did you get into this? I had no idea that people were taking photos of their dolls um, through adolescence. And by the time I was around 12 years old, uh, my world began shrinking. All of my friends, like I had a lot of friends who moved away around that time. And the friends that I still had living here um, were giving up their dolls and putting them away. And I I recall having one friend over who was a lovely girl, but I remember taking her up to my bedroom and then immediately feeling so embarrassed and of my dolls who were still out on my shelf. And I felt like I had to explain them away. Mm. And she didn't do anything to make me feel like that. That was just my gut reaction and that that devastated me because i loved these characters so much and i didn't want to put them away i I didn't want to give them up but i so i wasn't playing with them actively like i had as a kid so i was trying to figure out how can i continue loving these dolls and being passionate about them um and it was right around that time that i discovered AGTube. I found a lot of stop motions and that just floored hmm. me. Um, the YouTube account, Steven's Woda Dancer. Don't know if you've heard of it or seen any of her videos. It was a, an account created by a college girl named Sarah. And she just made like copious amounts of doll videos of doing stop motions in her dorm room. She would say, you know, and create videos about how to fix up your doll, how to do their hair, all of these different things. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone who was a teenager like American girls and also kind of be cool about it. Um, She was certainly someone to look up to. And then I found um, an American girl collecting forum for adults and teens called AG Playthings. And I joined that on my 13th birthday. I was so excited because I was finally old enough to have a Facebook account, a YouTube account, and a Pro Boards account. (laughs) That was like the goal. When I woke up that morning, I just, I tackled all three. Um, but when I created my account there, I just felt like I was at home and I was one of the youngest people on the board because I just turned 13 and I was looking at all of these adults in their twenties, thirties, forties, all the way up to like their seventies and eighties who were taking pictures of American girls and like talking excitedly about these characters. And I just felt like, oh, this is home. I don't ever have to age out of these dolls. And I have now a community of people that, you know, share share this love in creative ways and in different ways from me. Um, and it was there that I found a doll blog called Pleasant Piper, created by uh, an adult professional photographer. And if you have not seen this blog, I'll have to send it to you. I think it's either called Piper's World or Pleasant Piper. And the photos 
on this doll blog are absolutely breathtaking. Every image feels like you are in this girl's world, this 11-year-old girl named Piper. All of the posts are written from her first-person perspective. And so Piper and I are very close in age. And I was just seeing myself kind of reflected in these stories. And I was also feeling like I could play with my dolls in these ways. And I also really want to tell these kinds of stories. And just looking at these photos, I just felt like this is how I'm going to continue loving my dolls. And I got to use my mom's little point and shoot camera and take some pictures of my girls because this is this is how I want to continue holding on to them and, and creating stories of my own. Now, hearing that, I feel like we could make assumptions, you know, like you've had photographs featured on the American Girl website, right? You recently had things in the catalog that just came to my house, which was super cool knowing that we would talk to you. What feels like a highlight for you in doing this work, whether it's, you know, something that people on AGIG recognized or that American Girl recognized, like what has felt like a really special moment to you? Because I like I think we would make assumptions like your photos on the cover of the catalog, but what's been kind of most meaningful in, in your own mind? Um, I, I, all of it is, is beautiful and wonderful. Um, I think something that, well, first of all, getting my photos in the catalog at all just was so thrilling because that's something I can think about little me, um, <laughs> getting that catalog and, and seeing my name in it. She would just be, I'm sure you know, like screaming, screaming all over the house, running, probably crying because I had a lot of social and like performance anxiety as a kid and I still do and I know that especially as like a seven eight nine ten year old I'm thinking about what I would have to do to get to this point would have scared me a lot and I think I would have just been really really proud and so anything that's tangible like the catalog just thrills me because I feel like I'm able to kind of jump back into my younger self and and view it for the first time as a kid and and it's it's thrilling but um a couple things that have been really lovely. Um, I think my favorite thing is when I do movie recreations, just for my own personal account. Um, I started recreating films when I was 17-ish, um, recreating the movie Stand By Me. That was my first film. Mm. I, I just loved that movie. I identified with it so much. And I got the idea, you know what? It would be so fun to kind of remake this movie with my dolls. And my mom is an incredible seamstress, an incredible prop maker. Um, she's she's incredible. And she decided, yeah, I, I will help you with this. We're going to make all of these boys' outfits. I will help you make all of the props and the accessories. And then my dad and my brother and my mom all drove me down to Brownsville, Oregon, where that film was shot in the 1980s. And I replicated all of these scenes from that movie over the course of a day. And... I shared those photos and I've kind of continued to share them every, every few years. And I think it was in 2020 or 2021, um, Will Wheaton, who stars in that movie, he discovered, and I can't quite remember how, he discovered my public Flickr album of all of my photos that I had rep replicated from this movie. And he shared them on his Facebook page. And he just said how much he loved it and how, he loved the attention to detail. Um, someone would put in so much time to replicate these dolls and how it felt very much like an art form, just like making movies or, or writing books and, and doing all of that. And he also wrote me a really sweet email. And I've, I don't think I've ever felt so happy, <laughs> like just quietly Aww. happy um, knowing that someone who was so influential in my life and continues to be, I love his writing and I, I love his work. Um, to have someone so obviously enjoy something that I created inspired by him and and his art. that's That's been one of my favorite things that has come out of taking photos of dolls. Cool. That's so special. I mean, I just, I ref, like, I'm so, so much of what you just said resonates with me about what's so beautiful about creative work is like making things with people that are meaningful to you too. Like the way your mom's involved and the way that your whole family drove you to take those pictures like that's so like how much how special is that as opposed to you just doing that work on your own I mean this is like an individual art practice but it sounds like it's also like a family practice it is um something 
my brother still helps me out with any of my shoots whenever I call him up and because he's he's in video production and um, he is still better at a lot of like little little editing things and and um, set design stuff and like lighting help like he's he's very good at all of that and so if I ever ever need help or advice I will I will call him up and he'll help me out and um, I still love creating things with my mom she's only gotten better at at making perfect set and costume replicas and um though I haven't been able to work on those personal projects as much as I would like to um I'm really hoping to kind of dive back into it this winter with her because those those make me so happy um something I was just at the LA American Girl store the new one that just opened and something about that store that is wild to me is I have a wall in there of movie recreations um ag contacted me last year and said we want to do something cool for our la store we want like this hollywood wall we're wondering if we can license i think it was 12 something around 11 or 12 images of yours of, of films that you've recreated um i know it's it was incredible i i couldn't could not comprehend that happening that's so awesome so like what film scenes are there oh what okay films? so i if i can remember i'll remember as many as i can right now we have the movie poster from almost famous we have a scene from the parent trap the Lindsay lohan one um ferris bueller back to the future moonrise kingdom um the sound of music and the pixar movie up um I don't think I can think of any other ones right now, but wow. it's, the, it's this beautiful oh, La La Land is in there, of course, mm-hmm. Hollywood. Uh, yes. But it's, it's this larger than life mural. And as I was there looking at this thing, the the thoughts that were coming into my head were just remembering all of the days around each of those shoots and how my mom laid in the grass for during the Sound of Music one. We were hiking and we found this beautiful grassy hill that was perfect with all these mountains in the background. Um, but the grass was like human waist high. And so my mom volunteered to lay down in the grass and hold Maria with like her, <laughs> uh, her hands, holding Maria's feet above her head so that Maria looked like she was just in like this normal doll sized grassy hill. Oh my God. And so I'm like, my mom is in that one. My brother helped me with this one. Like all of these different points in my life, well, the, the photos there span me from a teenager to now and it's it's wild to think about how much my family has helped me with all of those pictures i recently got to tour someone who does cosplaying professionally their storage space and it was just like you couldn't even imagine how many shelves perfectly labeled and it would be like this kind of christmas shoe right or this kind of halloween set of hats and something i always think about when i look at your photos is i sometimes feel overwhelmed by my collection which is definitely much smaller than yours. And you have this like very beautiful artistic wall behind you. Is there a part of where you live that is just like either very organized or very, you're laughing, like very intense. Like (laughs) I want to know how this stuff lives with you because I own probably a 30th of what you own. And I find it overwhelming sometimes. I am not a organized person which <laughs> okay is very unhelpful <laughs> for what i do this is humanizing <laughs> you sydney like people yeah need to this hear is judgment free zone judgment free like, zone i picture you having you know down to a granular level like i picture julie's car perfectly organized with like a license and registration like i picture everything perfect and if that's there's not moving the case, shelves you can it's that. all alphabetical yeah like, oh, take us there nothing Nothing like um, when I started. Okay, so my current photography space is my one car garage. Um, and thankfully, it has a couple crawl spaces where it's just kind of like unfinished attic spaces that I can shove all of my big props and things that I only use once a year. And so they're up there. And I have like an on my notes app, I have a list of what's up there, but I have no idea where it is. So whenever I have to go up, I just kind of have to pull everything out all at once. And it's very disorganized. Um, but I I I have generally like bins of seasonal items, for example, like maybe I'll have a bin full of fall things, but they're all just in there. Like it's it's like the most chaotic. No, nothing is is organized beyond being in a bin. Um, I have a shoe bin, and they're just 
one you know they're just they're the individual shoes and I don't even have them paired up a lot of the time and so it's just hundreds of shoes that every time I need something I'll just kind of poke around until I hopefully find a match um that's that's about <laughs> the extent of my organization wow. I finally gotten to the point of bins and categories but beyond that it's pretty pretty chaotic my mom luckily and love lovely um of her she houses a lot of my like most of my childhood historical dolls that are um and, and accessories and that's a bit more organized um but still a lot of it comes down to just bins and all of the things in there and hopefully i will have remembered i would have remembered to put the things back once i'm done with a photo shoot in the correct bins do you ever imagine someone who doesn't know who you are stumbling across that garage and the story they would tell about what they discovered? <laughs> I have <Wow>. no. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. I, I think about like, what if I, what if I died and like someone just had to come in and like see see what I left behind? Um, it would. I think most people would be quite surprised and wouldn't know what to what to do or even how to start. Um, I have a lot of uh, single socks. Like I, I laugh when I think it's lovely when people are so organized with their American Girl items, and I, I aspire to be that way. But when people take photos of like a single white sock and say, "I'm trying to pair this up with its match," like can anyone ID it? And it's like, guys, I. I can't ID anything at this point. Like I have a general <laughs> idea of what things go with which doll to the point where if I'm recreating a scene, I can probably find it, but I I don't know. <laughs> it's too much. You know what? If it works broken, don't fix it. That's my feeling yeah. listening to this. Like it's not like you're an artist. Like you shouldn't have to explain <laughs> yourself. It's a lot it's a lot better than it was um a few months ago. I did kind of reorganize everything and make sure everything was in its right bin. Um but that's yeah, that's where it is right now. Well, like speaking of your artistic practice, we weren't but we are now. Like do you have sort of like guidelines for yourself or like a theory or sort of like a mission of of sort of like guiding you in terms of thinking about what kinds of scenes you want to do or how you do what you do? Yeah, especially when I'm working on my own uh photos for my for my own Instagram account. I am looking I'm thinking about the moments that resonated with me most in in the books that I've I've read whether they're the historical character books or um like other novels that I've read or movies that I've watched. I'm constantly pulling inspiration from films, from illustrations. I love looking at uh Norman Rockwell illustrations for inspiration because there's so much mm. going on in all of his scenes like there's there's emotion there's so much movement there's chaos there's clutter all around um I I try really hard with all of my photos to create a scene that feels authentic and I want people to kind of forget that they're looking at a doll although that's highly unrealistic and and not achievable. Um, I want to do everything I can to eliminate the idea of a set, um, which is one reason I really love shooting on location because that just takes away the idea of fake grass or, or a painted backdrop. Um, it puts you into that doll's world a lot, a lot faster. Um, and I don't want any of my photos to ever feel like um, they're inspired by what you would find in like a home magazine where everything is perfectly placed and nobody has lived here before but it's all beautiful like I mm. when I when I'm thinking about recreating a, a scene um from a kid's movie or one American girl like asks me hey what you we want you to um create a room for these characters um I'll go on to Pinterest and I'll look up like all of these different bedrooms that kids have had over the years and other illustrations of kids' bedrooms. And I'll be looking for all the details that make it feel like that that kid has been living there for 10 plus years. Like what kind of crap is on the walls? Mm -hmm. What what kind of things are cluttering up the windowsills? The best, is the bed like messy? Um, what shoes are kind of strewn about the floor? I think that the messes and the imperfections um, and a bit of chaos thrown in really helps sell the the idea that this is a, a doll living their life um, and we're just seeing little scrapbook pictures um, of it. Who's your model who gives you the most trouble? Like you can tell us because we're friends. Like, wow, who's the one that you love to work with them, but it's a challenge? Ooh, see, the one that I love to work with, um, I, I specifically choose models who who don't give me any grief. Oh, okay. I, wow. I, I, read, I, I know, like Kanani, I think Kanani is beautiful, but I've only worked with Kanani maybe once because her hair <laughs> is gorgeous and 
is also the biggest challenge of my life. <laughs> so I, I, I would say then probably Caroline oh. because her hair equally is is a bit of a challenge, but I have wow. grown to uh, love recreating her her illustrations, and so I I have to kind of pull everything in me to become uh, an American Girl doll hair salon person and uh, work with her hair on the top. But as you can imagine, with like Caroline likes to uh, go out on the water, so when the wind is blowing, um, she does not care about flyaways, but I do. So wow. it's a bit of a struggle, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's hard. It's, it it's hard to tame those flyaways. It's yeah. like getting ready to retire in your collection. Like you just feel like they don't have that many more shoots in them. Oh, you know, that's a really sad question. But oh. I would I would say <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that Marta dying didn't mean anything to you, but that's a sad question. I'm talking about retiring these these characters that I've been working with, these these models um for so many years. Yeah, I would say I have one um an a Marie Grace that I have mm. worked with for the last eight years. Um, she is becoming a bit of a, a loosey-goosey and I have already sent her to the hospital to get her limbs tightened and she has continued to be a problem and that she still does not like to stand up. She just doesn't follow direction very well at this point. So she's one that I might have to break the news to at some point soon. It's wow. a good retirement. Can I? Uh, yeah, like no, she's okay. Like, yeah. Like she's happy with it. I mean, they get to live in your garage. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I, I mean. Dream she gets of. to party I mean, with all of the other girls that don't get used as frequently. Oh, um, but who I still all love very much. Yes. Um, can we ask, like, you know, Molly is special to us. Like, what are your thoughts on Molly's role? Like, her work as a model, <laughs> her aesthetic. Any reflections you just want to offer? We can take it. I, we can take. I it. have thought many times that I think Molly and I would have been best friends throughout our entire childhood, but we also would have been vying for like the limelight as well. And so there would be this constant, wow. constant admiration, like quiet admiration for each other and constant chatter, but with also like this underlying um, competitiveness mm. that would have made certain parts of our relationship quite difficult if things ever got a bit tense. Um, but I, I love I love Molly's books. They're they're some of my favorites. Like they're right under Addie's for me. Um, every everything about her story, I think Valerie really, really did a good job with creating a, a nuanced, interesting character, especially in her final book. I love that she doesn't um get the role of Miss Victory, or she does, but she doesn't get to perform it. And I think that more kids' books should have that kind of disappointment or like m- it's not ultimately disappointing because Molly's dad comes home, but as a nine-year-old, mm-hmm. when I read these books or when I listened to them, um, or seven, seven through nine, I remember thinking, I just wish that she had been able to perform. I think it's so disappointing. And yeah, her dad comes home, but this is so disappointing. And as I've gotten older and reread it, um, every time it just gets so much better and so much sweeter to the point where now when I read that, I just feel nothing but utter joy um, through her misery and disappointment but knowing that her dad is home and she gets to have him all alone to herself when the whole book and really the whole feel of molly's books from start to finish and then she she wants to stand out and she wants to do something um to be remembered for and she feels kind of lost in her siblings um the fact that she finally gets that role in the end and isn't able to do it um but she gets the one thing that she's been wanting most of all which is for her dad to like notice her and really know her for who she is it's like the sweetest most beautiful arc of of a book series i just i love it that's so sweet we accept we'll, we'll take that answer <laughs> we can yeah. accept that answer she, she has some of the best style too i love i love all of her outfits and yeah she's a hoot I mean, I have saddle shoes because Molly wore saddle shoes. Like to me, they're iconic. Look, I mean, I know. what what else can I say about that? I mean, so I'm wondering, like, if somebody's listening to this and they're kind of like, "Whoa, I really want to get into this game," and you know, I'm I'm not trained as a photographer either. And I, you shared that you're not, um, but you're obviously a very skilled photographer. Like, how would somebody get into this if they're feeling imposter syndrome? Like. What are some tips you can offer? I think the most important tip is is really creating some sort of story in your photo. I think 
that that's hmm. um and and I know that this is what I do um and so it it sounds like a bit of a cop out but really I would say get some find inspiration in something that you're excited about and for me that has always been films and and books and um I would say try to replicate how simple it can be um or find a simple scene or an illustration and try to replicate it with your doll and try to give your doll some sort of movement. And you can do this fairly easily. You can prop them up with metal skewers that I've gotten from like the dollar store. These are like shish kebab skewers. Mm. Um, just try to try to create some sort of tripod for your doll. Um, play with maybe some fishing line holding up her hair, like if she's wearing braids, um, tie some some fishing line in her hair to flick it a little bit to have it evoke some sort of movement. Mm. Um, you can use clear rubber bands from the Dollar Tree to have her hold things, like really give this doll something to do in your photos. And as you're doing it, just, just enjoy the process because it really feels like you're back playing with your dolls. You're just now creating something that you can share with other people as you're as you're playing with them. Um, I think have fun with telling stories and giving your doll some sort of movement um, and some sort of emotional connection in your photo. And you can take your photo with with an iPhone or, or with any any phone um, or with a point and shoot camera like the camera quality does not matter as much as what's happening like at all what as what's happening inside the frame and i think that if you put your heart into the idea and the story that you're telling that will very much come through in the in the final image it's interesting that when you're describing the process you know sometimes when um i work with people making exhibits or projects or whatever I have them think about like who's the audience for this and it's interesting in hearing you talk like you're not concerned or or are you concerned about the people who are going to be taking in your stories or are you really just focusing on like having an authentic sort of play experience yourself and telling a story that resonates with you i think that because i've been a very big fan of of the dolls and the brand for so long um i am definitely creating I'm, I'm always thinking about whether or not my photo would excite younger me and would have excited my my friends as as 10 year olds. And I'm also thinking, mm. would this photo have excited 15 year old me as I'm getting into photography and like really, really trying to do things like would it I, I've consumed so much. Um, I, I have I have seen so many different people create photos that I looked up to as a teen and and a young kid, and I knew what I wanted my photos to be like, and I, I think I developed um, a fairly good sense of what I what I liked in images and and what I didn't, and I just didn't know how to get there um, as a as a teenager, and so I would stalk other people's accounts and I would just make Pinterest boards for miles of of things that resonated with me. Um, and at this point, I, I am very conscious of the people who are going to be viewing my photos, but I also still feel like I'm one of them. Um, and mm. I never submit a photo to American Girl or publish a photo on my Instagram account or very rarely um, I, I'll, I'll publish a photo that I'm not proud of. But I, I really don't submit photos or post things that I don't identify with and that I don't feel like. Um, me as a 10 year old and me as a teenager on, on AGIG wouldn't have just loved. What's been a time that you can think of, you know, obviously Instagram and social media can be kind of a complicated landscape. Has there ever mm -hmm. been a response to a photo that really surprised you over the past few years? That's a good question. Um, I think I recreated a scene from the movie wonder mm. and a lot of people, had not criticism for the photo, but just criticism of of the book in the movie um, that I was surprised by because I had just watched the movie and I, I had um, just loved it. And I was very interested in hearing their their response to that and just kind of reading into the criticism and, and taking notes. Um, I'm I'm very conscious of creating photos that I hope doesn't stir up too much. Um, I I'm. I think because I just don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. And I know that one thing that I have thought about recreating is um, a scene with Josefina and her um, friend, I think her name is Maria or Mariana. Mm -hmm. um, and I read somewhere, and I need to verify this, that um, Mariana's tribe 
um, was very against photos or or illustrations of themselves um, or dolls of themselves. And I could totally be misremember- misremembering this because I haven't looked into it for a few years, but that has stuck with me. And I thought this is something that I don't want to dip my toes into if I'm going to be doing something wrong here. And so kind of steer clear of, of that, that uh, illustration that I would ordinarily have just recreated because it's a beautiful, a beautiful illustration. I think that's a really interesting and good point, though, that particularly as like white collectors, like I think there is a trend or uh, sometimes on social media of well-intentioned, but, you know, like creating dolls um, as people of color, like when you're outside of that community or things that get really complicated. So it is something that's really important to kind of like know and be aware of. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I welcome all the all the feedback and all the criticism. This is not something where I want to um, make a point and say, no, it's totally okay. And like, why are you guys at, you know, saying anything about this? Like I, I, I certainly want to um, grow from any mistake that I had made or, or really just learn when I, when I see other people posting things, I'm, I'm always reading comments and just getting a general feedback. Um, and that has taught me a lot too, when it comes to my photos. Mm. Yeah, feedback can be such a useful thing. Um, I'm sure just in your artwork, but in life. And I find like that's something that I've been working on is like being very not just open to feedback, but seeking it out because it really can help you improve it. You know, whatever it is that you're working on. I I completely agree. Can I ask about a non-American girl photo on your account that I loved? Um, Your Taylor Swift (laughs) 1989 cover. I love that. I also love the Sound of Music photo, which you already mentioned. But um. Like, can you talk to us about making that and sort of like how is getting in the headspace of Taylor Swift different than preparing a story about an American Girl doll? So I have to ask what kind of um, both of you, what kind of Taylor Swift uh, followers are you? Are you like hardcore Swifties? Did you go see 1980 or not? 1980? Did you see the Aeros? I I could not get tickets. I will see the movie. I'm choosing to see it at home because I know it's like three hours long and I need like a snack break or a bathroom break. But and I also it was like sold out near me. But I'm a fan. I'm a fan in the same way, though, that I'm a fan of American Girl, where I'm willing to be critical from a place of also like admiration. So it's not like a blind love, but it's more of like a thoughtful admiration. Like I am a fan of Taylor Swift. Allison, I don't know how you feel. I, you know, I'll listen to something like Reputation. That's bonkers. Like there's, you know, like I appreciate eras as a recognition of like, we're all different people at different times. I am a much bigger fan of certain periods than other periods, if that makes sense. Like I I will have things come up on a shuffle or something. And I still think Reputation is like an interesting and bizarre moment. But overall, like, I respect her so much. I respect someone who can bring people together. And I think probably one of the best things I could say about her, knowing the way that people found community at her concerts, I think is amazing. And the fact that that number of events happened essentially without incident, I think is a credit to the artist. I think that's a really incredible Mm. thing and that she sticks up for her fans. So, but I'm also, there's certain songs I really love, right? But- I have like a ranking of my favorite albums of her. Like that's the level of fandom. I'm I am at. not there. Like, I can I can be honest. I am not there. But a few of them, like you got me, right? You know, her song about the summer came out, you know, a few years too early, but she got me there. She's good. It, it happened. <laughs> what about you? you have the Where sweatshirt are you on. So. I, I do. Yeah. I do. And it's one of my favorite sweatshirts because um, it was wildly expensive and I was not expecting it to be such high quality, but it is actually quite comfortable. And so I'm very, very happy to have Okay, that's good. I know. Well, I will. So you went. I did go, but it was a surprise. So I, I did not think I could possibly get tickets, and I was correct in that thought. And as we were getting closer, um, I told my husband, you know, you can just drive me to Seattle, drop me off, um, and I'll just sit outside the stadium. And at this point, I didn't really know to the extent of what tailgating meant, where all of like thousands of fans just stand outside the stadium and and scream the songs um and i think that that is wonderful and lovely but i'm not that kind of fan of almost anything like comic cons make me a little bit uncomfortable i i don't love to show that kind of obsession around other people especially towards another person unless i'm 
entirely alone or with like my husband or my brother and we're just obsessing over something together but big crowds of obsessive fans when I'm there um scares me a little bit and makes me kind of want to go into my shell so I was thinking I'm gonna go I'm gonna sit across the street from the stadium um and just kind of people watch and look at everyone's costumes and enjoy it as more of a spectacle and then I could also hear the music Um, from the stadium because it would be right there and that was my plan I found a very dirty stoop to uh, sit under (laughs) across the street from the stadium (laughs) and it was quite fun I I downloaded all of these shows to watch in like the three hours prior to her her uh, starting and I had my airpods in and I was all set ready to go I was wearing overalls and converse like not a tailor looking at all (laughs) and the sweetest person in the world came up to me she was fully dressed out and like a speak now outfit and she she had like the gems on her face and in her hair and she's like excuse me do you need a ticket and I didn't think I heard her correctly because I had my airpods in and I pulled them out and I'm like what did you just say (laughs) she said like I have an extra ticket. I I bought like nosebleeds a little while ago and I was fully ready to just go and see Taylor at nosebleeds. But then like today I found um, way better seats and I decided to just go for it and I bought them. But I have this extra ticket now and you just seem like really nice and you're just chilling over here. And I'm just wondering if you want to you want the ticket. And I told her, oh, my God. I have like no money. I can't pay you like hardly anything. Um, and she's like, no problem, no problem. Just whatever you can pay me. Like she was the sweetest wow. person in the world. And she took my meager offering, which was probably 5% of what she paid for this seat. And we had a really hard time transferring um, her ticket to my phone. And so she's like, don't worry about it. Don't pay me until we're inside. Like, I'll just have you come in with me. <laughs> And so she's like, took me under the, her wing. We're like wandering through. I'm in a total daze. I don't know how to respond to this kindness of this person. And she looks at me and she sees that I'm like anti-Taylor in my outfit among all of these like just swifty, beautiful, most beautiful, like gorgeous costumes everyone's wearing. And she pulls out um, a glitter spray and she's like, do you want some glitter? <laughs> oh my God. My hair and my skin. And we go inside and then she hugs me, we part ways and I go nosebleeds, but I can still see like it's partial obstruction, but I can still see like the full catwalk and like obviously the big screens. And I have like the best, the best night of my life. It was so much fun. And I even found myself like singing to the songs that I knew the words of. Like I recognize all of Taylor's songs, but I know like the words of a far smaller amount. Um, but it was, Got it. it was pure joy and I had a lot of fun. Aww, yeah. I'm so happy for you. Wow, what a magical experience you have. It seems like that's like the set, the plot of a movie itself. No, it was it was shocking. I what's your favorite Taylor album? Like give it's, me your tops. Folklore. Um I always yeah. liked Taylor. Um I've always admired her. I've admired her storytelling and her songs. It was actually my dad who really got me into her though. He loved Taylor Swift and we um, he bought me tickets to go see her red concert. Um, and I believe they were floor seats for $85, which was so much wow. money for me. And I could not believe he spent that much. And, you know, now when we look at $85 tickets for Taylor Swift, that's unreal, but we got to see her. It was, it was a magical night. And that night again, I wore, I think a button up striped shirt and some jeans and didn't fit in amongst all the girls wearing their uh bleach blonde hair and red shirts and, and shorts but I had a, a lovely time yeah <laughs> Aww, that's so sweet oh my gosh I love that you had those experiences I also love folklore I'm a 1989 girl yeah. too so I love that image because I love that album can't wait to hear Taylor's version Me too I'm very excited and to get back to your point with American Girl <laughs> Dolls um <laughs> I have so much fun recreating Taylor's look. She has, it's it's very fun to see all of her albums lined up and just how different each style is for everyone. And I use the same doll for all of her shoots, but I will replace the wig. I have like oh. this collection of Taylor wigs that I had collected with, you know, the, the beautiful pie bangs and like the short hair and then really long um, OG Taylor with her curly wig. Um, so I have all of all of these collections uh, or all of these wigs I have collected. And I shot the 1989 photo in my um, garage with just a blue poster board behind her head 
And then I AI generated some seagulls that I then cut out and put inside the the final photo. And uh, wow, we have we have Taylor. Beautiful. I hope she finds it. Beautiful. I hope like Will Wheaton, she reaches out and oh, loves your work and gives too. you more tickets well, to something. I am creating an American Girl size Taylor Swift calendar this year um, with all of the different album covers inside. And then the front cover will be a replication of her heiress tour poster. So maybe if enough people uh, like this, we can we can tag Taylor and have have a Taylor. Oh, my God. Collectively. I yes, think it would, be, absolutely. it would be a big win. We will help you. We'll do whatever we can. Thank to help you. you. It would be a big win for all all of the American Girl Swifties <laughs> out there. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Now, if people want to follow you, like what would be the best way? I didn't know you have a Flickr account. That's very exciting. But where where would be the best wow. places to find your work? Um, probably not Flickr. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be on my Instagram account, the five hens and a cockatiel, the number five and then hens and a cockatiel. Um, a lot of people think that it's five hens and a cocktail, which I am delighted by. But that will not light <laughs> you up on my account page. And if you want to go digging through some of my OG photos, the things that I was taking when I was 15 years old, um, you can go to my uh, YouTube channel, which is also five hens and a cockatiel. That's brave. Whoa. I know. I know it is. It's it's out wow. there. Um, and I, I used to cringe so hard at those videos but now i'm kind of delighted by them um they're very they're very heartwarming they feel like uh i'm watching home movies from a time in my life where i felt like all i wanted was to take a good doll photo and i didn't know how to get there but i'm still gonna share it all with the world <laughs> i love that love that energy um that's that's so beautiful thank you so much for coming on our show and it's it's so nice to kind of have our worlds collide even though i feel like we exist in each other's orbits and I'm always like looking at your work and loving it. And it's just so nice to be able to have you with us. I, I feel so lucky that you guys reached out and asked if I would be a part of this. I, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast for many years. I'm so delighted by your book. It is lovely and such a fun, nostalgic read. Um, and I'm so excited for everyone to be able to read it and have their own copy in their hands. Your check is in the mail. Wow. We appreciate it. Yeah, your check's in the mail. <laughs> I'll try to find it. Right. We'll pay you in Taylor Swift merch, <laughs> question you. mark. Excellent. We can't afford, Mary, we can't afford that. that. Come on. We can't afford that. Okay, sorry. Never <laughs> mind. Um, like we'll pay you in. Uh, okay. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. Right. You can find me the, uh, the kit cards that are pretty much non-existent in all of the world. I've seen all but... I've, I've seen probably one eBay listing of them ever, the complete set. Oh, so. my God. All right. Look, I'll if people that. out there are listening and you have the kit cards, please get in touch. Just just get in touch with Sydney, please. Do the right I will buy um, I, They don't exist. Yeah. I, will, I will be happy to buy them from you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing your, your Taylor Swift catalog and all the future calendar, all the future things that you post. Likewise, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.